You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I dropped an amazing episode with Dom Grimal of The Last Felony, Ion Dissonance, and Cryptopsy. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! Welcome to a new episode of Delirious Nomads, brought to you by Blacklight Media Records, a weekly podcast hosted by yours truly, celebrity chef Chris Santos, I hate calling myself that, and underground metal connoisseur Matt Bacon, who loves being called that. This is your new favorite podcast for all things heavy metal, as well as breakdowns of your favorite combat sports and riffing on some food talk every week with very special guests from across the globe. Hello and welcome to the Delirious Nomads podcast. I'm your host, Matt Bacon. We do not have co-host Chris Santos today but he will be back, I promise. However, we do have an old friend of mine, USBM Titan, for lack of a better term, uh, Mike Hill of Tunes. Mike, how are you? I'm doing great, man. How's it going tonight? I am cold but alive. It could be worse. Let's it could get be worse. <laughs> so you've got this new record. You want to talk about that first to get started? Yeah, sure, sure. That came out like uh, in 20, uh, what, 2021 or something like that, the, yeah. the new album. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like way past it now. I'm already working on the next album, so it's kind of hard to remember these things. Okay, that's fair. I guess what I want to get into that is, with, you know, you and I have both been very involved in U.S. black metal for a very long time. Where do you feel Tombs fits into the overarching milieu of like U.S. black metal? Definitely on the fringe, because um, like I think the approach that we have is more of like a sort of. Um, emotional and theoretical kind of connection with the music like you know I'm, we're not trying to write songs that are uh orthodox in any way you know there's obviously influences by the great bands you know celtic frost emperor but there's also a lot of other stuff in there i mean there's yeah you know a really heavy 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 uh influence of bands like fields of the nephilim and Bauhaus and uh you know just dark just darkness you know the swans old school metal and even like a little bit of like hardcore, you know, so it's not, and that turns off some people, you know what I mean? I know that like uh, sometimes it's a hard sell, I think, with some people because, you know, we played with a lot of different bands over the years, toured with very just straight up black metal bands and bands that are also a little bit more left of center. And uh, back years ago, just the fact that we were from the United States would automatically uh, put us on the outside of things because, you know, the European presence in black metal is very strong and people identify with that a lot more i think or they used to at least you don't think they still do you know i feel like in the last few years there's been a lot of bands that have started to really catch on with different people that i think ideas are changing and i think that starting with like leviathan and and bands like that yeah, I know there were I know there were bands, obviously there's like Absu and Hemlock and all these other bands that put out records prior to prior to Leviathan, but you know, the work of Jeff Whitehead, I think, really created like a vibe that I think is is uniquely American. I think he's like one of the reasons why like United States black metal is is on the map. It's just that it's it sounds American to me, you know. And and I think that's the, was kind of the beginning of, of people opening up their minds. And since uh, you know, since the 
the year 2000, I think there's been like tons of great bands from all over the world that are contributing to the, uh, to the sound, the, you know, different philosophies, different points of view. It's not just like satanic or pagan or, you know, all this stuff is like expanding. And I think that, you know, there's purists out there. Some, some of the guys from bands that I love and respect have also been very like, Oh yeah, black metal's dead. There's no new bands, but it's like, you're not paying attention, dude. There's tons of great music out there every year. This year, this year, there's been a lot of great releases. Of course, from both classic artists and new artists. So that's true. That's something really interesting there. Um, you talked about bands um, sounding American. What does yeah. that mean to you? That it's almost like this intangible kind of thing. Like, uh, like when I listen to a band like a, a Cleese, or I listen to Black Anvil or I listen to a band like Nightbringer, uh, to me, that sounds like American American to me. There's like an American vibe to that. And it's uh, it just seems like more extreme. Maybe, maybe like all, all these kids grew up listening to death metal first before they got into black metal. And maybe that's really where it comes from, you know? And there's also, there's just like a certain vibe to the music that I just think identifies it as uniquely from this part of the world. Just like every other band, you know, there's, there's a Australian sound too. You know, there's like tons of amazing Australian bands right now that are cross pollinating with other sounds and creating black metal that has like a death metal influence and, you know, just, you know, portal, you know, bands like that. Uh, the Amenta from Australia, like there's tons of incredible bands that are just unique and expanding this genre. Absolutely. And I think it's, it's interesting because to me, I think like, the USBM bands that resonate the most are generally the ones that embrace the Americanness. You know, because yeah. I think there's a lot of bands that sort of cosplay the Norwegian. Definitely, and, you like, know, that doesn't really work. Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, you know, we we all know those bands have like their sound. You know what I mean? And um, you know, Burzum, Early Emperor, Mayhem. Uh, well, well, Mayhem, I mean, their sound has expanded and changed over the last decades. I mean, they're constantly re reinventing themselves. I feel like they don't get enough credit. Oh, man, I, I tend to agree with you. I think I think they should be, like, at the top of the heap, man, in my opinion. Because, like, if you look at that band's entire career, you know, like, all the way back to Death Crush and, and you know, Demons, like, Demons, their new album. And uh, it's like... Everything, I mean, I know there's been a lot of different vocalists involved, obviously, but just the the way that that band's become progressive without being, without with still being intense and very, you know, very over, very aggressive and intense, but also yeah. being progressive, you know what I mean? But also, like, what I find fascinating with them is, like, they're also willing to, like, put out Grand Declaration of War and, like, be an avant-garde band. Yeah, and, no, totally. you know, the presentation of Attila on stage... And his movements and stuff is like he's very clearly coming from avant-garde space. And like, oh, I thought this was supposed to be just like a dumb bro black metal band, but no, nah, I mean he's he is by far my top, my favorite that black metal vocalist, Tilla. You know, I mean, I've been a, a oh, huge sure. fan of his for for forever, and just you know, his like the way he incorporates the you know the intense vocals and like the more you know operatic kind of you know singing and all that kind of stuff, I think is brilliant. Absolutely, and like you like Tormentor, his other band. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. The, the, Hung the, the old school like Hungarian band. Yeah, that, that yeah. band's great. Yeah. 
I got to see them a few years ago and it was just like really? that's a fucking black belt. Oh hell yeah. Yeah. Like it's like it's thrashy, you know, it has like almost like a punkier kind of vibe. You know, but yeah, it's got that. like that nineteen eighty seven black metal sound. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah right. Exactly. That's the year that record is from. I have to look now. Um so like break this down for me because the the tormentor first demo came out in eighty seven. Yeah. So break this down for me. So how did you you know, so black metal in America Prior to, you know, really 2000, you know, there's very few things. You have, like, Zaster doing the first couple of demos. You have, I think, the first Agalock demo, Weakling, of course. Yeah, you that's know. a band that, yeah, that's the one that everyone everyone looks to them as, like, their influence in the United States, for sure. Weakling, yeah. But, like, how did you start to discover this stuff? That's a funny story, actually, because um, back in like the early 90s, I played in this band that was based in Boston. It was like those, that five-year period that I lived in the city of Boston. And, uh, you know, we, we were on this uh, small record label and we were getting ready to go on tour. So we stopped by the office to get, uh, you know, CDs and stuff to sell on the road. The guys at the their PR dude or whatever is like, oh, yeah, man, we got this pile of magazines. You guys want to take them out on the road? While you're sitting around in the van, you can read these magazines. And one of them was that magazine that had like the famous, uh, you know, Varg stuff in it. Yeah. The whole e- expose about Norwegian black metal. So I'm, I'm reading this magazine and I'm like, man, this is like, like the most insane thing I've ever heard. You know, like prior to that, you know, you didn't really hear about that stuff, really. You know, in, yeah, in it was vandalizing stuff because of the heavy metal. Yeah, you know, I mean, there was like, you know, satanic panic in the 80s and stuff like that. But this was like, to me, it felt like that, but like to the next level, you know, I'm like, these guys are like, it it is Satan and like burning churches down and like, you know, killing each other and stuff. And I'm like, you know, that that early 20s version of myself was like way into that. You know, I was just like really digging into that misanthropic sort of, you know, loner, like Travis Bickle vibe back then, you know, and uh, so on that tour, you know, that was back in the 90s. So like every there's record stores in every, every town. So, of course, cassette tapes were the cheapest thing. You get like a cassette for like two dollars. And I picked up uh, the Emperor Enslaved Split on cassette. Oh, and uh, yeah, I fell asophone by Burzum. And uh, I listened to it in the van. And I would, me and the bass player were like the only guys who liked it. You know, we were just like, man, this sounds so fucking weird and crazy and just like. Like, I, I don't know if I like it, actually. I don't know if this is, like, something I'm into or not. But I kept thinking about it. As the tour went on, I was, like, thinking about it. And then in Florida, we played um, – there was a DIY house in Florida called the Utility House. And we played two shows in Gainesville. And uh, that's where the Utility House was. One was with Hot Water Music, and the other one was, like, with some punk bands. I think Palatka might have been one of the bands who played. And uh, so we were staying at this house – and everyone's like, yeah, it's cool that you guys stay here, man. But our, our roommate, John, you know, he's kind of a dick. So he's coming back. He was out of town for a few days. So just stay out of his way, man. Because he's kind of this, like, you know, this dick is getting along with anybody. So this dude shows up, right? And he's like, he's got like a Burzum t-shirt on. He's got like mad, like long hair. And he's like, he saw that we were into, you know, that that split, the emperor uh, enslaved split. And he and I just became like buddies, man. And I went into his room and he had like all the all that old, old OG second wave black metal stuff on vinyl. And I like hung out with this guy the whole time. And I was like, oh, this and I got my education from him about all these bands. And that was the first time I heard 
like Emperor, well, you know, the other Emperor records, you know what I mean? Right. Not just a split, you know, Dark Throne. Um, it was I, all back to that dude, that guy down. I think his name was John. I think that's what his name was down in Gainesville, Florida. And, and you never uh, saw him after that? Never saw it. I mean, how were you going to write letters, you know, talk on the phone? It was like there was no email back then or Facebook or any of that stuff. So he just faded into obscurity, man. You know, it was like this, this dude is there one day, gone the next day. And, uh, you know, that, and ever since then, it was like, this is like 94, maybe 94, something like that. So, um, so yeah, ever since then, I've been on this like journey to like explore, you know, that whole style of music. Because back then it was like, to me, it was almost like being a punk in the, in high school, like in the eighties, because no one really was into it. You know, it was like, yeah. like even death metal wasn't big in 94, you know, like there was kind of like, there was a lot of great bands, you know, that were putting out records, you know, like, you know, Mortician, you know, Immolation, those types of bands, but you know, uh, Incantation had, I mean, there's excellent music. It just wasn't, no one, it wasn't as big as it was. It was a lull in the popularity of, of metal in general. Yeah, so, 94 in particular, 94, 95 were like really weak, scary years. Yeah, yeah. I remember like Relapse was putting out great, you know, like uh, Skinless, I think might have came out in what, 97 maybe, you know, yeah. something like that. Yeah, so there was like um, a, a super underground death metal thing. There was like this very, very obscure black metal thing. And like the only people that really knew about it were like a handful of, and they weren't even metalheads. They were due to or into like, like Merzbau and, you know, White House and like extreme harsh noise were the guys who knew about black metal, at least in that period of time. So I just um, started really digging into that stuff. And uh, and I, I wasn't necessarily playing that style of music, but their influences were finding its way, like tremolo picking and kind of like that whole, you know, style was starting to find its way into the music I was making. And then you know, over time, it just became a focus of my creativity was to create music that, you know, and, I, and that's probably why I, I don't think Tombs is necessarily a uh, a band that's like derivative of like a sound. You know, I think that I work a lot. I work really hard not, not to be that way. And I think that the reason why it's like that is because all these influences kind of like melt, like leach their way in. Like I was listening to like black metal, you know, death metal, neurosis, you know, click attack, Ikatawi, like all these like, you know, gravity records bands, his hero's gone, you know, Marauder and like, you know, black Sabbath, you know what I mean? It was just like, I wasn't just one thing. It was all these things together and just like the overtones of things change. And that's how tombs sort of became associated with black metal was just a gradual movement and just like a darker outlook. And like, that's something I've always had is just like a very dark perspective on things. So it all really fit really well together. Sure. And then it started to, uh, and then it turned into this thing, which is yeah, basically fascinating. So then, so let's so break this down for me. So do you discover the classic Norwegian dance, right? And then your awareness of us black metal really begins with Leviathan. Well, yeah. Cause all this stuff was like Norwegian, you know, Gorgoroth is from Sweden. And I, I'm like, then I started hearing about, you know, Absu, because, you know, at the time I worked at this record store warehouse. So yeah. I'd read about these magazines and I would be, I read the, in these magazines about these bands and I would go and look in the warehouse and be like, all right, it's got an Absu record here. I pick that up. 
I found out about Hemlock because Dan Loker was in that. And I'm like, well, yeah. Dan Loker's in it. It's probably sick. So Hemlock. And then the later in late in the 90s, that's when I discovered Leviathan. And I didn't find out about Zaster until much later. So it's really like that's when I realized I, I didn't know anything about who it was or if it was a guy or a group of people or what. And I started reading about it online. And at first I was, it was the very, very beginning of internet. And I remember there was like, uh, you know, message boards, like there was like news groups and stuff. You go on like yeah. black metal news groups and you could find out about bands and stuff. Yeah. And, and so that's how like, you know, I'd read zines. And then later on, I realized that this was like one dude and he's making this all by himself. And it, and that, felt very like it resonated with me that I was considered the music to be this kind of outsider vibe, you know, just like for people who don't get along with other people necessarily. And um, who want to spend a lot of time by themselves anyway, which is like kind of, that's kind of how I am. And it, I made me really gravitate towards all the Leviathan stuff and Lurker and Chalice. And, and that's maybe that's why I think of that, that work as defining being sort of like the blueprint of like what USBM sounds like, you know, and, you know, of course, later on, I got into other, other, other American bands, you know, like a, a Cleese is another fantastic band from uh, Colorado. I think that band is like one of the greatest bands in the last 10, 15 years, really. I and, really, um, really love that band. Yeah. Oh, dude, they're, they're amazing, you know? And, um, you know, there's a bunch of other related bands that that one dude is in. Um, yeah. And that's, that, I think that's probably the top of the heap for me, at least as far as like U.S. bands go. And of course, Black Anvil, you know, dear friends of mine, you know, we've toured together, we toured in the States, we toured in Europe together. We've, you know, appeared on each other's records and things like that. And, uh, you know, they have, a, they have a very unique sound too that's like different, you know, and it's um, not, you, you can see like all of the, you can see like the New York feel in their music. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you know, it's like, like their last album to me sounds like like a black metal version of Kiss's Destroyer album or something like that. You know what I mean? And I mean that as the highest compliment. For sure. And I think that they like you. You can correct me if I'm wrong because you know them better than I do. But I feel like they like you also do have this like understanding of noise rock. And, yeah. you know, and stuff like Swans, which like is obviously very impactful, I think, on Coombs's music. Definitely. I mean, definitely the Swans and Neurosis and stuff like that. And, uh, yeah, especially Michael Gere's vocals. I think um, that's always been like a huge influence on the way that I sing, and especially in the last, you know, 10 years or so. And um, just the, the whole approach of that band, too, is, is very um, free. And I think that's why I feel comfortable sort of not making any records that sound like the records we did before. I feel like for better or for worse, and I'm, and I'm not attesting to the, the quality of our records, but at least I, I can say with confidence that all of our records don't sound the same. You know what I mean? And yeah. you might not like, you might not like them. You might think they suck or one, you like one record and you don't like another, but you know, at least like there's not uh, a, you know, we're not turning the crank when we make records. And that's goes back to like my, my fandom of uh, swans because like man you go all the way back to that band's career and to what they're doing now and even from record to record everything's different you know and everything's changing and there's always new things you hear in the music and they're still 
probably the heaviest band I've ever seen live. Without a doubt, dude. They're like, it's an experience. It's like a profound like experience when you see them. It's loud, it's noisy, and it just has this like impact, you know? Yeah, of just like, this is what it's like to be just overwhelmed by the music. And as we circle back, and I don't want to take too much of your time. So you, we talked right at the beginning that you're already working, you're deep working on the next record. Yes. Where are you with that? What's going on? Right, right now we're at the demo phases of things. We're doing pre-production. And we have a lot of material. And it's um, at that point where there's maybe like three songs that are I consider to be complete. And one, one of them we've been playing this year on tour. Um, so that one's like already part of our set. And uh, the other ones are, there's like two other ones that are like, you know, pretty much done. I got like the lyrics pretty much written. And then there's just like, probably about 20 songs that are like pretty much there, but we want to play around with them more and do some arranging and maybe editing some parts or adding little pieces here and there, you know? And um, yeah, I mean, it's, this is my favorite part of being in a band actually. I mean, you know, I love touring and I love going out on the road, but like when there's like in a limit, uh, no limits to what you're doing, you have, you, you can make any changes you want at this stage of the game where they're just files on your computer or like practice space tapes or whatever. Mm-hmm. And they exist in this like weird, you know, environment that's like this ethereal environment where it's, you can change it, you can throw it away, you can forget about it and then remember it two years from now and it becomes something else. And I love this part where it's just, yeah, and this is like the, the most singular, loneliest part of being in the band for me, because I just sit here in this space, I'm talking to you, and it just this is where I just write everything. You know, I have demo after demo after demo, hours and hours and hours. I got like notebooks filled with words, things like that. And it all sort of the the one sync the idea comes together like right here in this space, and then really put it together with the band down at the practice space. And then we make a demo, and then we decide this is good, this is bad, we want to change this, maybe play this like two more, two less times or whatever. You know, and then we, and then we make the record, you know, and it's like, you know, and, and right now it's, we have plenty of time, you know, we're we're still sorting out like what what the actual schedule is. And we're, we're way ahead of the game right now, which is excellent because this is probably the first time in like a long time that I've had this type of, uh, you know, freedom to, to, there's no, no one breathing down my neck or anything like that. So it's, it's a good spot to be in right now. Right. So you can make your sort of, what does that next phase mean for you for tombs? You know, you're talking about how each record is kind of different from the last. Well, on this one, it's probably a little bit more like, um, like less it's aggressive, but also more of an introspective sort of record too. You know what I mean? It's like, and maybe that has a, that's a result of just coming out of this last couple of years that everyone's dealing with. Um, yeah. I think like lyrically, the kind of stuff that I write is a little bit more vague and kind of general and, you know, talks about like conceptual stuff, you know? And um, like on this one, I think it's a personal in the way that it's meaningful to me. It's not going to necessarily be like this, you know, like a, like a jawbreaker record or something like that, where this dude's talking about like, you know, Chesterfield Kings and like, you know, chasing women and stuff like that. It's not that kind of record, but it's like, you know, a a more interesting, like the lyrics are more coming from inside as opposed to observational stuff. 
You know what I mean? So that's that's one departure. And then in, in the same sense that that's more emotional, it's also way more ignorant too. Like there's just more of just like pounding slams and just like slower like groove parts and stuff that we've done in a while. And then on the other hand, there's parts that are like over 200 BPM. So I don't know. It's like, it's all over the map, I guess. It's like super fast, slow and brooding. And then just like, New Jersey style slam, I guess, mixed in there somewhere, you know. How does New Jersey style slam differ from New York style slam? <laughs> you know, like waking the cadaver and uh, you yeah. know, stuff, bands like that, you know. Like, of course, I, 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 I love all that stuff. Honestly, that's a weird one. Like a kid I grew up with isn't that band now, but I remember being like teenagers listening to that. There's a there's a band Cognitive too that oh, our, yeah. our our friend Rob plays in that band, and and they're 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 actually I just saw them. They're on tour at uh, Psychroptic. They were great. I hadn't seen them play. I hadn't seen this version of band play in a while. They, they were excellent. Very solid. Yeah. Cool. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Um, thank you. And thank you for kind of digging into both the history of the band and USBM in general. That was a very cool ride. Thank you. Hell yeah, man. Thanks. Thanks for having me on. All right. So that was awesome. Thank you, everyone out there, for listening to Delirious Nomads, sponsored by Blacklight Media. We will be coming back at you next week with another awesome guest. Be sure to follow Blacklight Media on socials for new music and more, and above all, keep it heavy. Welcome to us talking about our podcast for a minute. What's the name of that podcast? That's Axe to Grind, uh, and right now you're going to be getting a little, little taste of it, right down to the shaky microphone and all. And my name's Bob. And my name's Patrick. And usually we're joined by Tom. Tom's the best. Tom has a real grown-up job that requires him to be at work. But we talk about decidedly not-so-grown-up things like... Hardcore music and things that people that like hardcore music tend to like. So that could be the latest shows, uh, revisiting classic material, talking about the new classics... Um, all the little dorm room nonsense that you imagine from a niche music podcast that, that you either love, want to love, or hate. Yeah, imagine all the emotions that you have towards a genre that, that uh, has impacted your life uh, and then condense them down to an hour to two hours a week. So triangulate your speakers. Think about jumping off the bed, singing along, dancing like an idiot and listen to Axe for Grind podcast. Ever wonder what a punch from Elton John feels like? Or how you cope with having turned down the chance to be in Nirvana? Or what signal Keith Richards gives when he wants you to get the hell out of his hotel room? Fans of Too Much Effing Perspective don't have to wonder because they've heard these exact stories and a jillion others on our podcast. I'm Alex Hoffman, former tour manager for Radiohead. And I'm musician and comedy writer Alan Keller. On the TMEP show, we get guests like Nancy Wilson from Heart, Jeremiah Freights from the Lumineers, and Modern Family's Julie Bowen to tell us things they may have only shared with their therapist, clergy, or a TMZ stringer. So join us on Too Much Effing Perspective. That's E-F-F-I-N-G Perspective. The only podcast you crank up to 11. Oh.